Mini camp is over. Spring practices are done. No more OTAs. Things going dark for the 49ers as they prepare for training camp. Taking the temperature of the 49ers and maybe some areas of concern for this team heading into training camp 2023. Coming up on today's live edition of Locked On 49ers. You are Locked On 49ers. Your daily San Francisco 49ers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome to Locked On 49ers. Brian Peacock and Eric Crocker with you at BD Peacock at Eric underscore Crocker. Thanks, everybody, for making us your first listen right here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Shout out to all of the everydayers out there. And I appreciate you jumping in with us on this live edition to end the week. Today's episode of Locked On 49ers is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash locked on NFL. And when you enter promo code, Locked on NFL. They'll throw in a free custom Bird Dogs Yeti style tumbler with every order of Bird Dogs. All right. We get the chat going here. Todd says, let's go. Peacock and Crocker are the best in the business. Appreciate that, Todd. Um, all right, Croc. So yesterday we kind of we we I don't think we spread it on thick, but we 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 kind of told the story of how this could go really great for the San Francisco 49ers. If Brock comes back healthy, right? And then the full season of McCaffrey. We we've seen how the the running backs have been worked into the uh the the offense a little bit more in training camp. That's going to be a feature now. And Kyle's had all offseason to put that into play. Debo Samuel coming in lean and mean this year. He's got a different mindset. Brandon Ayuk ready to take off. Trent being Trent. George Kittle being George Kittle, right? There, This could be the best offense. I mean, the best offense, at least for Kyle Shanahan in the San Francisco 49ers era. Maybe even competing with what we saw, the Matt Ryan, the uh, the Atlanta Falcons offense. And, and by the way, that's going to be a future episode of Lockdown 49ers where we drive back into that Falcons tape and, and kind of talk about what we see different from Kyle Shanahan's offense then and now. And it could be a, a juggernaut of an offense. And, and we saw some glimpses of that at the end of last season, right? But I want to I want to kind of flip the script here, Croc, a little bit on today's show, and just talk about maybe some concerns and and maybe t- tell a different story about how things might go in another direction because everything doesn't go gr- exactly as you planned. Everything's not always great and easy, and it is often never easy in the NFL week to week. So, Croc, um, let's start with some of the aspects of the 49ers team that maybe we're not too sure about, or that 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 we could see going wrong, or maybe even some. So moves the 49ers can make before training camp even starts to shore up some spots on this roster in 2023. I think you have to start with the offensive line. And, you know, I definitely want to make it very clear. I would say probably 90% of NFL teams are trying to improve on their offensive line from wherever it was a year ago. Offensive lines just have not been great over the last few years or so. And, you know, you see Philadelphia Eagles, they kind of they're kind of an outlier with an offensive line that just truly holds up really strong. I feel like Kansas City, for the most part in the playoffs, they hold up strong outside of when they just lost every offensive lineman heading into that uh, Super Bowl a couple years ago playing against Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But 49ers, they're just so youthful there at the guard position, so you have to really bank on Aaron Banks doing it again. Spencer Burford being able to be that guy for an entire season and not have to rotate in and out with Daniel Brown School. Colton McKivitz filling in that right tackle and not just filling in, like being a starting caliber right tackle for you I think there's just a lot of question marks and that doesn't mean that they can't be good but I would say if there's any one thing where I felt like man this potentially can kind of hold back you know an offense that 
looks to be one of the most dynamic groups in the league, it definitely could be that offensive line. And it's seeing some stuff already in the chat. Let us know here. I mean, this is your show as well, and it can be sort of a mailbag show as well here on Locked On 49ers. So let us know what you think, some of the questions you have, some questions for us about the San Francisco 49ers team. I think you nailed it. I think that's where it starts because we, when we painted that rosy picture of what the offense could be, and I do think it's going to be a really good offense this year, almost no matter who the quarterback is. Quarterback is one of the things I think we need to talk about today, but um, the offensive line. So, and not only... Because Colton McKivitz, and, and that's like sort of the big story. Colton McKivitz, the new starter now. He was a fifth-round pick a few years ago. He was actually waived after his second training camp with the 49ers, brought back. And Chris Forster, 49ers offensive line coach, who's looking like an invaluable piece to this team right now, the way he's put this offensive line together. Because Croc, last year, this time, we are kind of saying the same thing about the offensive line. And it turned out to be okay and a pretty good unit. Um, do they take a step back? Do they take a step forward even? Could it be an even better unit than we expect? But starting with Colton McKivitz, it's not even just Colton McKivitz. Like it, that's certainly one of the possibilities is maybe the 49ers do take a step back at right tackle and are a little bit worse there. And then you go along the line. And like you mentioned, um, Aaron Banks, he had a good year, but he wasn't like a pro bowler last year, right? Does he take a step back? Is he just okay? Is is that kind of what he's going to be? Solid starter. Uh, Jake Brendel, what's he going to be? Solid starter. Uh, Spencer Burford had a nice rookie season. Some ups and downs, though, you know, for a fourth rounder to come in and start as much as he did and play as much as he did. And, you know, reports have been pretty good about um, Spencer Burford at right guard. But what's that going to look like? So th there are some questions, but I think, you know, things look like they could be okay on paper. The, the, the big thing for me with the 49ers not really addressing much in, in free agency or the draft with offensive tackle specifically, because they have a lot of bodies and a lot of competition at camp on the interior at center and especially at guard. They have a ton of guards. But if Colton McKevitz, Colton McKevitz is maybe a step back and he's not great, or even if he's okay at right tackle, Trent Williams is not the youngest guy. Trent Williams has played a full season twice in his NFL career. Uh, and those were 16 game seasons. He's never played 17 games in a season. He's going to miss some games. Trent Williams is going to miss some games. Now you hope it's not a lot of games. If it's a lot of games, now the 49ers are potentially worse at both tackles. And you've got a second year quarterback who's coming off of an injury or a, you know, again, sort of a first time starter. It's like a, a semi rookie version of Trey Lance. If he's the guy that's in there at quarterback or Sam Darnold, a quarterback who notoriously sees ghosts and turns the ball over twice a game over the course of his NFL career, right? So a, a really good offensive line. That's is so, a lot of turnovers. Right, yeah. So an offensive line is too important for whoever the quarterback is as pass protection and is obviously, you know, so important for the 49ers who are going to be built on running the football in, in most cases. So that the offensive line, it's not even just about Colton McKivitz. And, and when I look at this offensive line now and in the future, it's about, uh, it's almost about Trent Williams as much as it's about Colton McKivitz, not because Trent Williams isn't amazing, but eventually Trent Williams will age out. Trent Williams has, does have an extensive injury history and it's not like he's going to get more healthy the older he gets. When he when Trent Williams misses some games, now we're talking Matt Pryor. Now we're talking, uh, is it going to be Jalen Moore? I don't know. So now you now you're kind of in trouble on the offensive line because now maybe you're kind of average and below average in some spots. So 
the offensive line is key. They they not only need to hold serve, but I, I would really like to see advancements. And I I want to see Colton McKivitt, see what this looks like, see see him prove that he is a capable starter, maybe even a better pass protector than Mike McGlinchey, if not as athletic getting out in the run game. Uh, I want to see Spencer Burford prove that he's a legit every down starter in the NFL in year two. Jake Brendel, uh, is he a legitimate starter, above average starter, potentially even at center? And, you know, that next step from what we saw uh, with Aaron Banks going from year one to year two, let's see him continue that. And uh, and maybe some Lakin Tomlinson level play. Who knows? So that the offensive line could be awesome, could be okay, could be average, could be mediocre. And if there's injuries, especially to Trent Williams, there, there's an opportunity for the offensive line to be the real problem of the San Francisco 49ers. So th- this could go any number of directions, and I can't wait to see how this group comes together. But I do think one of the most important things a team can have is a really good offensive line coach. And I've been really impressed with Chris Forster. And, uh, you know, I think the 49ers do have that, which is huge. So I, I do think the line's going to be okay. But if the, if the offense falls apart, uh, the offensive line is probably going to be a big part of that. You know, even if there is one injury to the offensive lineman, you're you're probably okay. But outside of that, you know, you you start to kind of be a little bit in trouble. If you remember a couple of years ago, I want to say during the 49ers Super Bowl run, you know, that year McGlinchey and Joe Staley missed time, and they had to fill in with guys like Justin School and Daniel Brunskill at the tackle positions. Mm-hmm. And they actually play very well for the 49ers. So, you know, you are in trouble if you have a Colt McKivitz go down and a Trent Williams go down and you have to figure out how to get by. But somehow Kyle Shanahan, who, you know, I, we give a lot of credit, you know, with just with the offense and how he's able to make something out of nothing or even something out of <laughs> something. But you go back to what, 2017, his first year there, the end of the season, man, there was. Trent Brown, remember, he, he couldn't play for whatever reason. They wanted him to play, that, or at least that's what the reports were. He's like, I can't play. So Zane Beatles had to play right tackle. And somehow, Kyle made it work. So maybe we are, I guess, making a little bit more out of this tackle position, you know, unless you're just going up against a team where it's like, man, this, these edges, they're just going to destroy you all game. Like, let's say T.J. Watt. T.J. Watt would probably kick anybody's ass, whoever it is lined up across from him, outside of maybe Trent Williams on a consistent basis. Like, Watt is going to get his, whether it's McKivitz or anyone else. But it's the others that, you know, you can't let really destroy you. And I think for the most part, Kyle Shanahan, however he has called plays, when he feels like he might be limited at the tackle position, he's done a really good job of kind of masking that as a deficiency. It's a good point because, you know, Mike McGlinchey might have gotten schooled by – T.J. Watt in week one. So if Colton McKivitz doesn't have a great one, week one against T.J. Watt, that's not the time to panic necessarily. But when, when you start to have problems, it's like, okay, we got to help on the right side. Now you have one-on-ones everywhere else or other guys losing one-on-ones when T.J. Watt's getting an extra blocker over here, uh, you know, is is the backside tight end right. not doing his job and at least getting in the way and slowing down a rusher on the backside of a play when you're going to play action and, and those types of things. So um, the, it, smart, tough players – Usually you can get by for a little while, and, and I feel better about it on the interior than the than the exterior of the offensive line. Tackle is still a thing for me. It's like, okay, you guys got a lot of faith in in the in the ones you have. You better be right about that because you can't have your quarterbacks getting battered around. We've got some more questions in here about the offensive line, quarterbacks, and more coming up on today's Locked On 49ers, which is brought to you by Bird Dogs. 
bird dogs make you look good. And you know what? Bill, bird dogs feel good to wear. Bird dogs stretch khaki shorts are designed to fit a little slimmer through the thigh and leg, giving you a truly sculpted look. Bird dogs shorts do the exact same thing as, say, Lululemon, but with a way better fit. And they fit way better than regular shorts that are made of stiff, restrictive cotton that's how they feel better and look better at the same time because bird dogs fixed any of these issues by inventing cloud knit fabric that looks just like khaki but stretches so you get way slimmer fit without having to sacrifice movement and that is so key especially in my lifestyle i'm always moving i'm always active uh, i am you know podcasting one second out playing with my son the next second kicking kicking it by the pool maybe having a little barbecue right another time and then i've got to be able to look presentable when i'm uh, doing professional type things even though you can't see my lower half on uh, on the podcast most times but it is such a comfortable fit but you feel like you can go in any professional setting if you need to. That's what I love about my bird dogs pants. They go straight from, I always say you go straight from the office to the golf course because they look good in an office setting uh, and they, they feel great. They, they move with you when you're out on the golf course, when you're moving around, I love taking my shorts to the gym or, uh, you know, hanging out by the pool, get the lining in there, take a dip in the pool in them if you need to as well. So go to birddogs.com slash locked on NFL and enter promo code locked on NFL for a free Yeti style tumbler with your order. That's birddogs.com slash locked on NFL for a free Yeti style tumbler. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you. I want to go to Viet Ta here in the chat. So is it possible that Colton is this year's banks? And I, I'm I'm guessing the the question is here more about maybe someone that people don't believe in. And then at, by the time the season's over, you're like, oh, cool. Got a starter that we don't have to worry about. Right. And I think he absolutely can be that. And the 49ers fully believe in it. Like the 49ers are telling us they have zero issue and maybe even are better at right tackle right now than they were going to be before. And they don't have any issue with any of the backups. And Matt Pryor's cool. He's the swing tackle. We're good. Trent Williams gets hurt. We got a guy that can play there. I'm a little skeptical of the Trent Williams part, but I'm bullish on the Colton McKivitz part. Now his athletic profile isn't great, but again, tough, smart, you can do a lot with that as long as he's not just getting beat around the corner. And look, it's a, it's different than and Croc. It's probably the same way for a cornerback, right? It's much different just jumping in and covering guys. And maybe you start a couple of games and you look okay and, and you're smart and you're tough and, and you're, you know, the system, right? But then you got guys watching film on you every week and you got these guys that are stars and they're studs and they're like, Oh, I see this with this feet. And it's like, Oh, I'm going to get this dude here. Right? So, all season long of that. And if they see you have a weakness and now they've got 10 weeks of film on you and there's nobody better behind you that's going to get, that's going to replace you. That's what you start to worry about with the player that maybe can't quite hang athletically with some of the legit freaks of nature that are coming off the edge in the NFL. Yeah. It's the ugly snaps and not compounding those. Do you remember in Colin Kaepernick's first start? And I think everybody remembers like some of the throws. I think he threw a touchdown or a deep ball to like, Kyle Williams, and, you know, it's like, man, Kaepernick's on fire. But what people kind of forget is the game that Alden Smith had where he had, like, five sacks. and he Oh, was oh that was the same game. Yeah, same game. And whatever right tackle the Bears had out there, I mean, he was just destroying him, right? Like, it was clear this right tackle probably shouldn't be in the NFL. So you just don't want to walk away from a game and have that on your mind where it's like, man, 
McKivitz, he just might not be able to play, right? Like, there are a lot of people that didn't care for uh, Mike McGlinchey at times. But it's like, you know, 80%, 85% of the snaps, it's probably going to be pretty good. And then there's going to be, you know, a player so where he just gets demolished. And you're like, gosh, why is he out there, right? And I think for McKivitz, it's just can you limit the, gosh, why is he out there to maybe once or twice a game? But outside of that, you know what? You, you do your job. You do well. You wall off guys. And you let Kyle Shanahan run an offense. And I think from that standpoint and just kind of being Aaron Banks, you know, can he be that? And I, I think, like, that's the hope. And it sounds like even like Trent Williams. I want to say I just saw a quote with Trent, Trent Williams saying, now I'm proud of McKivitz and how he's been, you know, practicing, how he's been preparing. So once, you, once your teammates start believing in you, then I think that's when, you know, it gives you even more confidence that you can do the job. Yeah, a lot of belief in the building of Colton McKivitz. Uh, and, you know, he's a, he was a gold helmet guy in the draft, I think, for a reason and maybe had to learn some things about the NFL when he got waived. And uh, Chris Forster talked about that and he came back a different guy. So that's a really cool story there. Um, and, and Trent Williams even went on to say in the playoffs, not this last past year, but the year before when they lost to the Rams, that he had that high ankle sprain or whatever it was he was dealing with in the playoffs in January. And he said he probably shouldn't have been out there and Colton would have done a better job than he did if he was in the game. And so, yeah, uh, Trent Williams has been one of the biggest believers in Colton McKivitz. And one thing Col Colton McKivitz has over McGlinchey is a better anchor. He's just a, a more stout, strong guy. And that's those, those highlight losses. And nobody had worse highlight losses than, than Mike McGlinchey because, you know, he's that tall, a little bit slimmer build. And, you know, he was athletic and get out on the run and block. And most of the time he was pretty good as a pass blocker. And he was a pretty consistent guy. But then he would have those third downs where – uh, who's the dude that tossed him? That was the one that was like, oh man. Michael Parsons, I think, tossed him. Oh, it was Parsons. I mean, yeah. but it's like, which time? I feel like he got tossed. <laughs> you know, there's about five different times throughout the year where he's just like, gosh, that's that's not a good look. Todd says, How about last year's rookies? Maybe Zakel or Poe can become solid backups for this year and continue to develop. Oh, yeah, absolutely. The 49ers seem like they like Zakel a lot. There were some reports from spring practices that he wasn't snapping the ball very well. He was a college tackle. Um, looks like he's going to be pretty much a guard, and that's about it. Um, there, I think they were hoping he could be a backup center, and, and we'll see if he improves on that in training camp, but he'll have a chance to compete on the inside. And I really like Poe. I think Poe absolutely uh, can be a backup guard, but that's the thing. And they brought in Joey Fisher as an undrafted free agent. They've got John Feliciano who could play the interior positions, but they have a lot of depth and a lot of competition with those interior spots, guard especially, but – there's not a lot of options to tackle right now. And so that could get thin very quickly and could become a problem for the 49ers. But again, I mean, that's an issue around the league, though, right? Like if, you know, Pittsburgh Steelers, their offensive line wasn't good last year. If they lose whoever their tackle is, I mean, what well, they traded there? up? In, yeah, they traded up in the first round to get Broder Jones because they're like, we need, we're going to trade up to get a tackle. We got to make sure we get one of these stud dudes because there's not 64 of those freak of nature stud offensive tackles to block the freak of nature stud edge guys in the NFL. So at some point you have to say, okay, well, what are we going to give up? And you go with McGlinchey. We're like, well, we like him smart, tough, knows the scheme. Uh, we're going to sacrifice, you know, some physical ability, some athleticism that maybe he doesn't have because we believe he's going to be in the right spot at the right time and, and play well for us. And, uh, and who knows, maybe he is one of the, uh, legit starting offensive tackles in the NFL and we'll find out about it. But that's where I, I kind of talked about croc with this team is they believe in it, not only in the starters, but the depth because they didn't try it. They didn't even try. They're drafting 
a kicker and a backup tight end in the third round. You know, that was one of the things why we're giving him such a bad grade in the draft. And it's not like you're going to draft some guy late in the third round and he's instantly going to be a starter for you. But they drafted a fourth round offensive lineman last year and he was a starter for him. You know, so it's not impossible for that to happen. And you can create some depth. And guess what? Maybe you you do hit on one of these guys that's a future starter for you, too. Because it's not just about right now. It's about building into the future. And they put nothing into offensive tackle. in the off- They brought in Matt Pryor. That was it. And so, okay, you better be I, right. Yeah, they, they, they got Burford. But I think that's kind of a, like, oh, wow. Because, I mean, how many offensive linemen have they drafted day three over the last few years that just – don't end up playing, right? We're, we're talking a lot about McKivitz. What was he, a fifth-round pick, I believe he was? Fifth-round pick, yeah. Oh, fourth? Okay, and at some yeah. point, he was waived and had to, you know, be brought back on, like, practice squad, then kind of work his way back up. So, you know, I'm not saying, like, that, uh, you know, that's, like, a bad thing. That's some guy's path. But, you know, where they took him is, like, you typically don't get – you typically don't even get the Spencer Burfords at that spot. So, you know, ideally you would want them to take an offensive line, you know, in the third round. But, I mean, those guys, like you said, why did the Steelers trade up? Because, I mean, you, these tackles, you kind of got to get them pretty high. Now, I think we saw Seattle last year, you know, swing and, like, oh, man, we, you know, we got Abraham Lucas. Lucas. And I think Abraham Lucas was definitely going to be kind of more of a scheme fit type guy. Like, it was probably very specific type of offense he was going to have to play in and he went to a spot that, that fit well for him but it's really hard more so than a kicker or a running back or even a receiver to find a guy that can contribute day one in the third round you know than it is in the offensive alignment especially that late we got a question about quarterbacks here let's go to i lost it oh, here we go from Bobo, he says, I'm a believer that Sam Darnold will be dealt or released before the season or at the trade deadline only if Brock Purdy and Trey Lance are still healthy. So a lot of people right now are talking about Trey Lance being the one that's that's traded. But Bobo says Sam Darnold may be the one that's, that's on the way out. Look, the 49ers aren't going to keep four quarterbacks. And if Brock Purdy's healthy and active to start the season, they've got to cut somebody. And, you know, even Brandon Allen probably is not somebody that's going to make it back necessarily to the practice squad. He, he was number two to Joe Burrow last year. Like, he does, he's probably going to be like, I'm not going to be the fourth guy. I can be at least a number three on somebody's roster. So the, the Niners are probably going to lose one of their quarterbacks. Brandon Allen, the most likely, yeah. uh, cost them the least, though, and they would save more money from trading away Sam Darnold or, or Trey Lance. If I had to guess if one of the guys was going to be traded I would assume that it's Trey Lance because I think just the way the NFL works, he, he although I don't think he has any like high trade value, I think he still has more value trade-wise than Sam Darnold. He, he, he's going to cost a little bit more, but there's still so much unknown that if I'm a team, it's like, yeah, I'm still intrigued depending on what I have to give up. Now, I think during the draft process, we were talking about him potentially getting traded, and I was like, mm. If you're offering me a third, I'm taking that. And you were like, ah, oh, nah, like gotta go higher than that. But I think right now, if you feel confident with Brock Purdy and the way his recovery is going, and you're like, all right, hey man, Sam Donald loved him coming out. We evaluated him, even though he stunk on the other two teams. But hey, we can get the best version of him. And then Allen is just, uh, you know, a legit guy that could potentially be a two. But on your team will be three. I think there's value there. All right, I'll take this third for. Trey Lance and just kind of move on from that situation. That that's 
what I would do. Because here's the other thing that you run into. Anytime Brock Purdy messes up, the chatter is going to be loud. Like, it, it'd be loud. So you got to hope that he plays as well as he did. And he was exceptionally well, played exceptionally well last year. Uh, I would assume that there's this coming down to earth moment or moments. And then eventually, you know, you work your way back up. And then, you know, I mean, because he's still young. He hasn't even started a full season worth of games. So do you want him to have to go through that and look over his shoulder? Or do you want to say, man, like, look, you can go through these ups and downs. We're not putting in Sam Darnold. Then you just kind of let him play. And then eventually he works through it and then he plays amazing and you forget all about it. But if he's going through a rough patch and there's Trey Lance behind him, I think there will be a lot of pressure on the organization to see what you got, you know, in your uh, third overall pick that you traded all that stuff for. So I, I would try to move on from him to save you a headache. <laughs> more on the quarterbacks next. More on one more thing that I think, or maybe a couple more things that I think could be something that does set the 49ers back this year if they do start to show some warts during the 2023 season next. Thanks, everybody, for making Locked On 49ers your first listen every day here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Shout out to all the everydayers out there. We appreciate you. Make sure you are subscribed up on YouTube. Hit the notification bell so you know when we do put a new show up and when we go live like today's program. Thanks, to everybody, jumping in on the live with us today. And you can also find us everywhere you get your podcasts. Croc, why do you have that look on your face right now? <laughs> I thought you maybe read a comment that you thought was like off-putting or something. Ah, nah, nah. <laughs> I thought you were going to say something very salty right there. Uh, that's hilarious. Um, all right. So look, uh, okay. I want to finish up some of the quarterback stuff. What's the worry level of Brock coming back less than hundred percent or seeing ghosts as Darnold likes to say, well, I'm not worried about Brock seeing ghosts as much. Um, I would be worried that the 49ers turn to Darnold and he looks good in shorts in the spring. And then when he gets on the field, he doesn't see the field clear and he is a problem and he's throwing more picks than Jimmy used to. Like that's the problem with Darnold is I don't think it's really the right place to evaluate Darnold right now because of you know like what mayoko said maybe the best thrower in 49ers history right he's like he's a good athlete he's got a good arm right he's this broad shoulder dude he's still young teammates like him but when the live bullets are flying on the field that's where sam darnold has had his problems so I, I, i'm gonna evaluate sam darnold when he's staring down fred warner and nick bosa in the first team unit in practice like when we start hearing about interceptions piling up when he's when he's running the second team playing against the first team defense in practice, right? Uh, that's tough for anybody when, and, and the 49ers defense always beats up on the 49ers offense in, uh, in training camp. Maybe this year they'll start to tilt the other way. Who knows? Um, or in those, in those preseason games. So, so that's when I'm really going to start to evaluate Sam Darnold and with Brock, he's a young quarterback and there's some things he definitely has to get better at. Um, he got out of a lot of trouble last year, but some bad habits could hurt him. So, and he hasn't had time to work on it during the off season just mental reps for him so yeah it's the quarterback uh the court we talked about the offensive line first but the quarterback's really the number one thing that could hinder the 49ers maybe maybe brock shows us ah oh, man you know what he was a seventh guy seventh round guy for reasons kind of a backup trey lance not ready or traded away and sam darnold still sees ghosts like that could happen and really hold back the 49ers yeah de definitely and i think that's why you know, a, a year ago in that same kind of situation, you were able to hold on to Jimmy Garoppolo and kind of feel confident about that because it's like, hey, at least, you know, if push comes to, you know, or worse comes, you know, ends up happening, 
well, you got Jimmy Garoppolo, and he can kind of salvage this situation. So I think a lot of people felt like, oh, man, they, they don't like Trey Lance. That's why they're bringing Jimmy G. And it's like, well, if you're the 49ers, why would you not uh, make sure that you kind of retain him and be able to bring him back and, you know, cut his salary? Like, it, it made a lot of sense from that standpoint of just being able to, like, use him as kind of insurance. Uh, as far as play goes, and even for Sam Darnold, I would say if Kyle is able to scheme for like like put a game plan around what he thinks Sam Donald does well, there's potentially a better version of Sam Donald that you would see in a game than you would see at a training camp practice where it's still scripted, but you know now it's like dang, you know every snap is good on good. Uh you know it's not as you know like a game plan. You know, because when you when you develop your game plan, it's going to be based on things that you feel like this quarterback does well, as opposed to practice. You're just seeing like what what are they doing or what what can he do or what can he handle. So, uh, you know, I know you 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 might put a lot of emphasis in the training camp practice and a lot of other people as well, but I think the game would be more of an opportunity to see what where Sam Donald's at and then how he can kind of grow. And not even preseason because preseason they're not doing too much scripting or or, or game planning either. Yeah, and for me, you, you still don't even want to put too much weight on training camp practices, but it's, for with Donald's very specific because he's, he's had one major problem in the NFL and it's just not seeing a, a clear picture of the field. So if that's continuing in training camp, it's probably not a great sign, but um, and there's already, there's uh, I think it was Grant Cohn that was saying that uh, it looked like Jair Brown, the rookie safety was kind of toying with Sam Donald a little bit and, um, and sort of playing off his guy and trying to bait Donald into some throws so we could go make a play and pick it off. And but that's a dangerous game too. Like I, I don't know if that's the right way to go about it for a rookie, a rookie safety. Once once the uh, real games start happening, you can get burnt. I, I read that, but my mind immediately went to as a safety, like who who is your guy? You know, like who are you lining up across from, and you're baiting a quarterback? Like you're not you're not in man coverage. You're not Richard Sherman who would play. Uh, you know, he played with his eyes to the quarterback, but be in man coverage, but read the route concepts and still be able to drive routes, right? Like, as a safety, it's kind of like, you know, you you can do some match stuff, especially from quarters, where you might have to guard somebody, you know, that's vertically pushing. But typically, unless he's manned up on guys in the slot, is I don't know how many opportunities opportunities he has to really toy with the, the quarterback. Now, he could st- disguise things and like, all right, I'm going to show that, I'm down over this guy in the slot. I'm going to move around, and then at the snap, I'm going to bail and get back to my you know, deep half or my quarters or whatever. But uh, if he is doing that, I think that's tremendous for a young guy who is still trying to figure things out defensively, but that probably shows a little bit more where he's at right now with whatever they've thrown at him. Uh, what, one of the last ones I'll talk about here, Croc, is, and I love that they brought in Javon Hargrave, because he is a, a difference-making player on the 49ers defensive line. Um, I would say the edge spot, those, and, and you know, you, just depth on the defensive line would be something that uh, if Drake Jackson doesn't become a dude, they lost a lot of players on the edge last year, like guys like Charles Amenahu and the, the 49ers and Chris Kosurik is coaching them up, done a, such a good job of finding players. I think they'll be okay there. But one guy that they can't afford to have get hurt is Nick Bosa. And we, 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 we talked a lot about Jimmy W right. And Jimmy G and his winning record with the 49ers. But you look at all the, the wins that Jimmy Garoppolo has accumulated 
Nick Bosa was playing all those games, right? Remember 2017 and 2018 before the 49ers had a pass rush? That defense was awful. And the 49ers knew it. And in 2019, not only did they spend the number two pick on Nick Bosa, they actually traded a second rounder to Kansas City just for the right to sign a D Ford to a big contract. And that really solidified that defensive line. And that 2019 team took off. And then in 2020, Nick Bosa torn ACL. That team went in the tank, right? Back, Nick Bosa again, 21, 22, healthy. I bet Nick Bosa's record is better than Jimmy Garoppolo's record. <laughs> 49ers, you know what I mean? So, well, like, Especially after that run that Brock Purdy had. Yes, exactly, right. So, like, that's I think that's probably the most important player on the 49ers. And if they're getting mediocre play out of the rest of their edge guys and then Nick Bosa is out, and, and he's had some some injury problems, and we've seen what his brother's gone through in the NFL with a lot of injuries as well. So, like, that's that's a worrisome thing for the 49ers. And if you look ahead to the 49ers in the future, and you're like, okay, Trent ages out. Uh, George Kittle is in his 30s, right? He's in the second half of his career now. Running backs are running backs, so any injuries could happen there. You know, if, you, if you're building the offense around Christian McCaffrey, you get hurt on the first play of the season. And... um you know, you, you can start to see where things could fall apart for the 49ers and, you know, more so maybe long term than short term. But, yeah, um, really the way that this team would uh, that, that big problems would happen for the 49ers would be quarterback related and maybe because the offensive line isn't good enough to protect them. And and Bosa, I, those are those are the the real injury factors and, and the real factors that could really derail, I think, a 49ers season. You think Hargraves? can make a big enough impact to overcome maybe, you know, a loss of Bosa for a couple games, because I think that's what you hope, right? Like outside of Bosa last year, there just wasn't, there wasn't much. Yeah. Armstead, like, you know, and then you have the, the others, you know, edging, maybe, you know, Drake Jackson takes that next step that they're hoping. Everybody's kind of talking about how he looks right now, but um, maybe that would kind of, help you get by in a couple games without Bosa, but definitely, I mean, you don't want to miss him for an entire season. Yeah. Some, some Eric Armstead off the edge, maybe Um, some, uh, you know, Javon Kinlaw. I mean, Javon Kinlaw has kind of gone underreported. He, he wasn't at practice either. So is he dealing with another injury? I just, I don't think you can expect to get anything from Kinlaw with his, uh, his chronic knee problems. And so, um, yeah, like they could make anything about him from OTAs. Was he there? He didn't practice the last couple of weeks from what I understand. Or at least at minicamp for sure he wasn't practicing. And I don't think he was practicing maybe at the last OTA either. Don't quote me on that because I wasn't there, but I did hear reports from, uh, and I don't remember where I read it, but Kinlaw was not on the field at least recently. And kind of the same, you know, uh, Elijah Mitchell too, same deal. It's like, man, you guys are not able to practice already. Even if they're just holding you back, it's like, hmm, okay. So, um, but yeah, as Bobo says, you know, that that's one thing they could do before training camp starts is bring in a, another edge guy. And so I think that's, that's what's going to happen, you know, when they go back into their holes and, and uh, take some time off and, and look at the roster again here, there are some players out there. There's NFL players out there that are ready. So if there was any injuries that popped up during uh mini camp and OTAs that, that we don't know about yet, that, that could be a factor uh, if there's, if, if what they hoped they saw from maybe some guys that made them not sure they could definitely do some moves. And I think, probably edge would be the, the spot that they would do that. All right. Uh, thanks everybody for jumping in on the live episode today. Appreciate you making locked on 49ers your first listen. 
every day here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Shout out to all the everydayers out there. Make sure you're subscribed up on YouTube and everywhere you get your podcasts. Croc and I back next time right here. Locked On 49ers. Subscribe to this video.